1: NY or text Hope NY in New York.
2: Welcome in ladies and gentlemen to another edition of the Bengal Tiger podcast. I am Billy Embody. With me is Shay Dixon. We've got a lot to get to today, Shay. Uh LSU did hold pro day on Wednesday. Brian Kelly met with the media on Thursday. A lot of takeaways on LSU spring ball to share, but let's jump into pro day. Kayshawn Bouket does participate in some of the on-field workouts. Jerick Bernard Converse is a star of the day, though. What were your takeaways? You were uh, able to keep up with it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that Jarek Bernard Converse, who, remember, this was a guy Brian Kelly brought in through the portal from Oklahoma State. He was a multi-year starter at Oklahoma State, um, but from Louisiana, comes back home, ends up starting wire-to-wire, really, this year for LSU. Played corner, played safety. So has a ton of film from two different teams, uh, very versatile and doesn't get invited to the combine. And a lot of people were curious about that. There was nearly 30 cornerbacks invited to the combine. It's a really deep year and that's where he is working out at. So didn't make that list, but he comes around on LSU pro day and does everything, you know, from start to finish. And <clears throat> Excuse me, I'll give you his numbers here, Billy, and where they would have stacked up with the cornerbacks at the combine. Vertical of 42 inches would have been first, tied for first. A shuttle of 428 would have been third. Benching 16 times at 225 would have been third. A three cone of 701 would have been fourth. And his 4440, which is a solid time, would have been sixth. And you don't have to pay attention to hand measurements, arm measurements, all that, but the NFL scouts do. And he's got 32 plus inch or, yeah, 32 plus inch arms, nearly 10 inch hands, 80 inch wingspan. I think he completely, not from off the radar, but to those 32 NFL teams that were there, they saw film of him. But when you put together that sort of showing at a combine day and you measure like he did, I think he went from late round guy undrafted free agent to someone who could maybe be getting picked in that third, fourth, fifth round range.
2: Yeah. And I, I love what he put together at pro day. I'll, I'll say McKay Garner, I think helped himself a lot as well. You know, pretty athletic from some of his testing. And I think with his size, he could play just all over and you know, that's what he did for LSU a little bit too. So I, I like his size that he's going to bring to an NFL team and for him to put down the verified numbers at the pro day, I think that was huge for him. He's somebody that I think we could look up in five to eight years and say, wow, he's he's still kind hanging of around, hanging around in the NFL.
3: A hundred percent. I like Garner had a good day. I think, and I say third round for Bernard Converse. I mean, I think he may have worked maybe into a fourth, fifth, sixth round, and that's better than where he was at. Garner will be one of the first guys to come off the board. I'm looking at, I know I did a piece where I broke down kind of the order some guys were in or or where they might be. I want to say I'll go, and we'll talk about Kayshawn here in a second, but I think Garner could be the one of the first three maybe guys taken from LSU in this draft. And I don't think there's any first rounders. And when you get midway through the second round into the third round, for sure, all bets are off. So we could see a number of different orders here, Billy, but Makai Garner, the UL transfer into LSU, these DBs really saved them. And they have to have, it's going to have to happen again this year because they took a ton of transfers at corner again, but Garner played well this year. Bernard Converse played well this year. They both had nice pro days. So they're middle round guys, but boy, because of what Garner kind of total package is, I bet he, you know, he's going to come off the board a little bit earlier than I think people anticipate.
2: Yeah, I I think so too. And, and with the NFL, I mean, so much of it is about durability and ability to withstand that long season that they go through. Both those guys have the size to do that. They have the strength. So I think those guys really stood out. Kayshawn Boutte, I mean, it's one of those, you know, days that, now you look back and I remember seeing him at Westgate and how explosive he was and, and all the things that made him a five star. And you, you almost kind of feel bad for how everything is, is kind of transpired post-injury um, for him because he's, I mean, he's got to be just kind of tumbling down some of these you know draft boards right now.
3: Well, he's going to have to rely on film and he's going to have to rely on interviews and that's about it. And, and on-field workouts. He did it at the combine and he did his on-field workouts at pro day at LSU uh, this week. The thing that jumped out though, Billy, this week was that, okay, he's doing all his on-field testing stuff. Now he's somewhat healthy. Are you all the way healthy or do you feel confident about doing combine stuff? And he clearly didn't, but he did do one thing and I'll fill you in. Here's what he did at the NFL combine. Did one thing at pro day. NFL combine four five. That's, not a great time for a guy's once a pretty big track star. Uh, also ran a four six seven unofficial in there, which obviously was not good. His twenty nine inch vertical was the second. No, it was the lowest. It was the lowest of any receiver at the combine. Didn't even hit thirty inches. Which again, if you're not familiar with what all these number numbers mean, Bernard Converse, for instance, jumped forty two inches. Most guys who are wide receivers are jumping in the high thirties. To not be able to touch thirty is shocking. Then his broad jump would have been the was at the NFL Combine the second lowest among all the receivers. He did a three-cone drill, didn't do it at the combine, saved it for pro day. It was so uninspiring to the sense that it would have been the second worst three-cone drill of anyone at the NFL Combine. It doesn't match up for me anymore because you talked about him coming out of Westgate. He was a five-star. He was one of the best football players in the country, he's one of the best track players in the country. He put up an SEC record for a single game against Ole Miss his freshman year with 300-plus yards receiving. And then he came out of the gates that year, too. When he got hurt at Kentucky, he led the nation in receiving. He led the SEC in touchdowns. He's never looked the same after that. And people will say this year, oh, well, it was his attitude. Oh, well, Jaden Daniels wasn't hitting him. He was getting those numbers with Max Johnson and TJ Finley before. Like, Jaden Daniels is light years better than those guys something's amiss here. And I think it has to do with those two surgeries he got on his ankle because he has never been the same since.
2: Yeah. And, and he's got a lot going on in his life too. I mean, I I think he has a son now, so he's, he's obviously walking that, that line of being a dad. And it just seems like throughout all the transition, you know, with the program and with those injuries, just, just wasn't ever the same. And, you know, whoever's in his camp, Clearly, I'm sure I think he has an agent. Whatever happened during the pre draft pro- process for him, it didn't get him close to being able to even run test, whatever, respectably, with like how talented he, he truly is. And in, it's just a shame. I mean, there's no other way to, to put it. I mean, th- this is just a guy that you saw him at Westgate and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy is one of the best prospects that to come through Louisiana in, in, you know, I mean, not like saying better than a Jamar Chaser, Derek Stingler, or Terrace Marshall, as far as prospects go, but he was just that good. I mean, he had the total package and it's just a, it's, it's a bummer to see it go this way.
3: Yeah. And look, I'm still, I'm going to lean on. He wasn't the same from the injury because he can have a bad attitude and, and look, I'm not accusing him of any of this, but this is, was the, sort of rhetoric during the season he wasn't bought in he had a bad attitude at times maybe during the off season and now you say um you know he's got a lot going on in his life of course um but training for the combine like the old case booty he could Booty could do nothing and jump higher than 30 inches like he could do nothing and put up better shuttle times in that like I think the medicals are going to be a big thing. And look, NFL teams will have access to all of that. So it will be telling because you're seeing right now out there, if you follow any of these NFL draft analysts and they talk to coaches and there's a lot of teams saying, hey, we still love Kayshaun's film. Like someone's going to draft him. But Billy, we once thought this was a lock first rounder. Now we can't even predict if he's going day one, day two or day three.
2: Yeah, he's he's, awesome. I
3: can. he's not going day one, so day two it, or day
2: three. Yeah, you can uh, place that future bet, um, not going day one for sure. It, it, it's just, it's tough. So, look, I, I don't think we need to go too too much more uh, on Kayshawn, but um, any other surprises for you from, from Pro Day?
3: You know, everyone, your big names sort of just stuck with what they had at the combine um, and didn't test again. And then I think Bernard Converse, obviously, Stole the show of the guys who didn't get invited. I would say we're watching Butte, Ojolari, obviously um, Jay Ward, who had a, you know went out and jumped eleven foot broad again. Uh, Mackay Garner, who we mentioned, Jaquell and Roy. Um, those are going to be the guys I think who are the first to come off the board. I don't know if I mean I guess maybe Ojolari gets picked first, but again, I'm watching Garner. I'm watching Jay Ward and. Uh, at some point, Jaqueline Roy is going to come off the board. So it'll be interesting to see. Or maybe it's Yep.
2: Yeah. This is one of those drafts that there are a couple like sure things, but then also not not as much. You know, a lot of kind of um, uncertainty on on some of these guys of where they could end up going.
3: Who would you pick at quarterback, Billy?
2: Oh, God. Uh, what's going to lose us the least amount of subscribers? No. They, they don't
3: like any of the teams of the people that we're going to talk about. Um,
2: I mean, I I really like C.J. Stroud. Um, I I think, you know, coming out of Ohio State, he's been you know, very consistently good. Um, I do worry a little bit about that scheme at times. You know, sometimes, you know, having that talent and having the scheme that they run, I mean, it, it almost is a little bit of a detriment to quarterbacks transitioning to the next level. But I think he's a really motivated, good young man who's who's done a lot and played a lot of football uh, throughout his career. Uh, Bryce Young's really, really good. I mean, it, it's I, I like C.J. Stroud, though, a lot. What about you?
3: The Anthony Richardson hype train at Florida is off the rails right now. People are starting to put him at number one. Um, Will Levis, obviously, is a guy from the SEC that's hung around in the top picks. I'm a no-doubter here. I like Bryce Young. Yep. He's a winner yep. in high school, winner at Bama. I don't really care about how tall he is. I think he can play.
2: And I don't care about how tall he is either for the record. I just really like what CJ Stroud's put together.
3: I'd pick one of them too. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all.
2: Yeah. Well, Brian Kelly is going to have to pick at some point a full-time defensive line coach. He met with the media on Thursday after practice, um, uh, a media availability that was added in. So nice of uh, Brian Kelly to meet with the media with everything that's gone on with Jamar Kane heading off to the NFL. He did provide background, intel, kind of on what he's looking for uh, in a defensive line coach for LSU. Gerald Chapman is you know, handling that unit uh, during spring ball. You can check out the highlights of uh, Gerald Chapman kind of coaching up some of the guys on our YouTube page. Subscribe to the Bengal Tiger YouTube channel, um, and we appreciate all you guys who have already, but he's taken that role. They're really happy with the coaches that they do have here during the spring. I mean, it is at the end of the day, just fifteen practices, and, and Jamar Cain did get a little bit uh, of that time with his group uh, before leaving. But now Brian Kelly is in full blown search mode. But Gerald Chapman is taking the reins of this group uh, for the foreseeable future during the spring.
3: Yes, so Kelly actually gave a good amount of info. Um, the Bengal Tiger. If you go to the Bengal Tiger, I've written up everything he said and gave some thoughts on it. So, uh, but I'll give you my abbreviated version here. One, he let up. I'm saying what you just said. Gerald Chapman is a guy who he had worked at LSU under Orgeron. Then he was the Tulane D-line coach, then Colorado D-line coach. Then he comes back and he's working as a defensive analyst. And he was working pretty much hand-in-hand with Jamar Kane to start spring. He's been a D-line coach at colleges before. And then they've got John Jancic coaching the Jack linebackers. He's had tons of experience and he was a defensive analyst for him uh, as soon as Kelly got hired. So Kelly said, I'm completely good. You know, with these two guys getting us through the rest of spring, they're what are they more than they're halfway there, something like that. So, no need to feel rushed. I'm perfectly fine with that approach. I also think now we're wondering, okay, our interviews going to keep happening? Does Brian Kelly know who he wants to hire, and he's just not announcing it until that coach is ready to have it announced or whatever it might be? But I did ask him what is the criteria here, and specifically said where does recruiting rank in terms of, you know, a value to someone you want to hire, you know, a pri- you know how big of a priority is that? And <clears throat> excuse me, he said, uh, and I'll quote here, because um, I think it's a good one. He said, if you look at assembling a staff in the SEC, you just look at position groups uh, that make such an, imp- you look at the position groups that make such an important impact on your team, and you're hard pressed to say that the defensive line is not as important as any other position. I completely agree with him. If you've got a good D-line and you've recruited well on the D-line and you've developed them in the SEC, you're winning a lot of ballgames. So he then went on to say, recruiter and talent developing has to be at the top of the list. The ability to recruit in the SEC and develop talent is 1A and 1B. And then he said, what does that mean? It narrows the pool from that perspective. Experience then becomes paramount, basically. And then this is a good quote. You can't be inexperienced and have never been in the SEC or know the recruiting of this landscape and be a qualified candidate for this job right now. That's how he feels. So we can toss out a lot of names, but the reality is he wants somebody who's done it before. And Wilson Alexander, the advocate, went on to follow up my question and say, can you be more specific in terms of like what makes a good recruiter? And he said, you show me who you've recruited in the sec and the Southeast, you show me how you developed them. And I will go down that checklist. And then to me that quantifies how good of a defensive line coach you are. So I certainly don't think they're going with anybody that doesn't have some skins on the wall here.
2: Yeah, that's the, that was my main takeaway. And, and like you said, you know, Gerald Chapman has some experience. He's been around LSU a while. He's well-respected. It's why he was brought back here, but this does kind of point towards them trying to go make an, a splash. I mean, there are very few guys out there that they could go out and hire that have, you know, experience recruiting at a very national, impressive level, um, because there are guys that are certainly happy where they are um, across the country that are very, very good recruiters and defensive line coaches and might not take the bait. But there are also very, very good ones, both on the recruiting trail and development that will be interested in this job. And one thing in particular, he mentioned about being a recruiter said we could sit down and we could find that five-star real quick. You know, you can see it on their tape, but how is that person able to judge the character of that player? I think that was an important piece as well that he mentioned. And so um, I'm very intrigued with where he goes with this hire because it is such an interesting time to be making this hire as well. I think it makes a lot of sense for them to take their time and try to nail it the best they can instead of making a uh, uh, trying to push and get them in there for the last, you know, eight is yeah. of spring it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Brad Davis came in in the summer when he was ultimately hired. You can go out and find the best candidate you can if you wait it out and and get through spring and look, maybe he has his guy and he is waiting it out until wherever he's at gets done with spring ball.
3: Yeah. If he has this guy, I'm not surprised because he got very specific with his checklist. And like he said, that narrows it down, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Now he wasn't going to give us the names, but you can't just now go reeling off up and like, he's laid it out very clearly what he is looking for. And he did it in a public setting and he did it very pointedly to answer a question. I mean, he could have danced around it and said, look, we value a lot of things. I mean, he went right for i need skins on the wall i need you to prove you know this landscape and you've done it in the sec so interested to see what all that means but i do know that that means we're not hearing anything like tomorrow because he did say we're going to get through spring then we will announce a d-line coach so um they feel good and again oh i didn't want to go back and say this it doesn't matter to me we're halfway through spring i don't care if someone isn't hired right now like Gerald Chapman and John Jancic they can coach him up like what does it help if your new D-line coach comes in with seven practices remaining and his two best defensive linemen Mason Smith and Makai Wingo aren't even practicing and his best stand-up edge rusher in theory Deshaun Womack your five-star isn't practicing and you've got a number of other guys nicked up like some of your key transfers like Jordan Jefferson are not practicing like it's half the group right now. It's not like you would be getting a full 15 practices in with every healthy guy. So make the right hire. If that means waiting, do it. Um, and again, so far we don't have any reason to not trust that Brian Kelly has got a plan in place.
2: We've got a lot of listeners in Texas, Shay uh, Dallas is our number one market. Uh, we also have some listeners in Austin, Texas. I do wonder uh, what do you make of the potential that a Bo Davis could be on that list? Because like we talked about, it was pretty specific.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know what Bo Davis's buyout is. I know that Texas has plenty of money, so Texas can pay him whatever. If LSU's trying to go and say, well, we'll pay you all this money and give you a couple titles. And you know, your run game coordinator now and your D-line coach and um, all of that, like Texas could match that. I've said before with a guy like Bo Davis who is pretty much like your dream D-line hire for your LSU. He's only leaving Texas for another D-line job if it's a school like LSU, where he played at and started his coaching career, or maybe a school like Alabama, where he's coached at multiple times and has followed Nick Saban from LSU to the NFL to Bama and worked with him multiple times at Bama. So it it's a tough pull, but hey, look, he's got to pull of Scott Woodward. If you want a Bo Davis, then... Warm up your Scott Woodward magic and go make it happen. But I think there's also a lot of qualified guys out there that could fit the bill and that could recruit well.
2: I agree. I was just playing into our comments off of uh, the last podcast on the defensive line uh, coaching news. Uh, everybody in there, for the most part, was uh, going going ham uh, for Bo Davis. So we will see who they go out and get. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the Bengal Tiger. $10, four months, still rolling on. Jump on board with us. A lot of you guys have. Uh, We'll have some more intel as the weekend approaches on recruiting and uh, the defensive line coaching search as well. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's
3: this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting
2: spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Shay, one thing uh, that stands out to me about LSU spring ball is, of course, the buzz around Harold Perkins, but also Brian Kelly said this is the time that they're going to hone in on developing him as a linebacker. It was what he was recruited as. Obviously, he broke out as kind of this versatile Swiss Army knife that can you know, rush the passer and make disruptive plays as a true freshman. He's a five star coming out of high school. Uh this is important in his development that they're working with Harold Perkins more on that on being that traditional linebacker.
3: There's a few a few reasons for this, and they all make sense to me. Do I think that Harold Perkins is only going to be a middle linebacker at LSU and they quit using him in that edge rusher, spy, Swiss Army type role? No, not at all. Here's the reality. Linebacker is one of their shallowest units on the team. They had to take Omar Spates from Oregon state as a grad transfer. He's already in this first team lineup every day that we've been out there. You return your leading tackler and Greg Penn, but beyond that, the only two scholarship linebackers you have on campus are the weeks brothers and West weeks is what been on campus or wit gosh, I'm confusing all the time. Wit has been on campus two months, something like that. So as a true freshman so you need more than that and they've got christian braithwaite coming this summer but there aren't any more portal guys on the way at this point point. and if i'm matt house i'm thinking just right there what happens if greg penn gets hurt what happens if spates gets hurt am i only rolling with the other one and then the two weeks brothers and that's it and when i've got a harold perkins on my roster no of course not so then you move into part two of that Yes. Like we can remember when the season began last year, Harold Perkins was relegated to special teams. And when we asked why Brian Kelly said, that's all he knows how to do right now. Then Madhouse put him out there as an edge rusher. You know how much he had to think about nothing, go run and blow the play up, go get a sack. And he was a situational guy in you know, pass yardage situ- passing situations. Then it became a full-time role. Then it became, he's playing. Okay. He's playing a little linebacker and he's playing a little edge. And after the season when we met with Matt House in the bowl game, he's the defensive coordinator, he said Harold's only scratching the surface of what he could be as a total player and a linebacker. And for him to get there, we're going to have to put in some time with him at linebacker. And that's what they're at right now. It's spring ball. A lot of position groups are low on players. Really, it's about teaching, fundamentals, getting everybody, you know, through it healthy and um, starting to really reapply what they've already learned last year in terms of the playbook that means spending time with Harold Perkins at linebacker because Harold Perkins knows how to play the edge. He knows how to spy a quarterback. Now it's about all of the nuances of what it means to be a true middle linebacker and responsibilities, everything like that, a three-down linebacker. And I like that because now if they do get into a spot, they can put Harold Perkins there or they can play him there and then shift him to edge and you know, obvious pass for situations or whatever it might be. The more versatile he is, the better. And I think this right now is him being versatile, him learning how to be a real linebacker.
2: Yeah, I I, I like this move. I, I think it's important in his long-term development. And I mean, if you could find different ways to get him more reps on the field and not just have this little tiny role, um, but he has managed to, of course, make it into a massive role with the plays he makes, that's important. You got to have the best players, you can possibly have on the field. And if that means Harold Perkins gets more sped up to uh, speed on uh, the linebacker position, that's only going to help this defense. And look, they're doing that with a lot of guys. They're working guys at different positions in the secondary. We'll talk about one in a second, JV and Toviano. Uh, They have a lot of these opportunities for young players to get a lot of time. A lot of the freshmen that have enrolled early are getting some of those quality opportunities And you mentioned Witt Weeks, but also in the secondary. JV and Toviano is on campus. Jeremiah Hughes is back there as well. JV and Toviano is playing nickel and playing safety now. And for those of you who uh, follow the recruiting rankings, on three did have him as a safety. So this is not something that isn't too surprising to us when you look at the prospect coming out of high school. He has that versatility with his size to play multiple spots.
3: Yeah, and we saw him the first couple of weeks of camp. He was at corner. Then he was mixed in a little at safety. Now he was working with Sage Ryan at Nickel uh, in Thursday's practice. So when we asked Brian Kelly after, he said exactly that. Hey, he's really versatile, and we want him to help us this year. So let's keep moving him around and see where he fits best. They did like early in Jay Ward's career. He did this really throughout his career. Uh, Bernard Converse played corner and safety last year. So this is a way for them to continue to feel out, okay, where can we put guys and have the strongest – depth chart possible. And he even hinted to it a week ago. He said, we're going to move some of these corners to safety. I don't know which ones yet, but we'll see. Toviano bouncing around. We're not surprised by that at all. But when we were writing down the rundown for this show, Billy, I didn't want to touch on it because I was looking around at practice today and all of the guys who are out have really paved the way for these early enrollees. Guys who technically should still be a senior in high school, like during their spring semester, they the old gearing up for prom uh, reference, but instead they're getting yelled at at football practice by uh, Brian Kelly and the staff for uh, being part of the Tigers now, being a grown-up, an adult in college. Ricky Collins, granted, both quarterbacks, Jaden and Nuss are there every day, but he's out there and Walker Howard isn't. He went to Ole Miss. So, I mean, he is getting some extended reps. Running back has nobody that's been out there so far this spring on scholarship except Noah Kane and Trey Holly. So, Trey Holly is getting a ton of run. At running back, the receivers are really healthy, but we've seen Jalen Brown and Kyle Parker out there every day. They rep behind all the veterans. We'll be curious to see if one of those two can break through into some playing time. Um, but the two tight ends, like they signed three tight ends, Billy, and the highest ranked one, Camorian Pimpton, doesn't get here until the summer. The other two, Mac Markway and Jackson Nagohan, have been out there at every practice. And Brian Kelly said today, those two guys are further ahead than where he anticipated either of them being. Uh, just coming in as high school guys and seeing their high school film. And Markway has not played football in two years because of injuries. And they're healthy. They're out there. They're working with Denbrock every day. The offensive coordinator who also is the tight ends coach. That's good. They brought in 12 early enrollees, Billy. Deshaun Womack, who had a little shoulder surgery after his season, is the only guy who's hurt. Everybody else has been out there every day. So you mentioned weeks, Jackson Howard has been playing a lot of stand-up edge jack roll. Uh, right behind Omar, or excuse me, um, Ovia Gofu and uh, Braden Swinson, a couple transfers. So he's getting some looks there. Uh, and then you mentioned all the DBs, Ryan Yates, another who enrolled early. I think it's good for those guys, like because normally early enrollees, unless you're a five star and you know, or one of the big name guys, you're not getting a ton of first or second team reps. These guys are, and they might not be starting this year, and they may not even be in the two D, but. They had a spring under their belt where they got reps they never would have gotten, and I think that's some of the silver lining you've got to take away from a spring where, let's be honest, I mean, half of the guys who are probably going to be starting aren't out there.
2: Yeah, I, I think having so many guys enroll early is is you know, very important. I mean, I think it gives them such a good jump on uh, you know being able to get out there and um, you know start to contribute and start to find their path. Um, so to speak. Um, No pun intended for uh, the path there, but um, having these guys, and we'll play a little video here in a second on some of them, but um, the tight ends, I think Jackson, McGohan, Mack Markway, we're going to talk in in a second about what the spring game is going to look like, but I am really excited to see those two guys because they have the size, they have a good bit of talent to make a little bit of a splash. Mason Taylor out, of course, but he's somebody who just you know, we know what we're going to see out of Mason Taylor. These guys to get their opportunities uh with this LSU team this this spring is important. And Jackson McGohan came off a senior season where he was able to really be productive as a pass catcher. And Mac Markway he sat out. This has been key for him to get these reps um, during spring and to to be thrown into the fire. And you know they have the talent. You can see Mac Markway eighty four. Jackson McGohan, 83, working in uh, some of those tight end drills. Um, they've got that size. They look like they've been there a while. Gabe Leonard's is 85, um, working that drill as well. And he's been on campus, you know, three years uh, as a walk-on. But I think with with those two guys, I really want to see how they look like, um, you know, physically in the spring game, whatever it may look like. And then you get into Trey Holly um, and what he's going to be able to do being able to uh, you know play a little bit behind Noah Kane, who you see kind of working out there if you're watching on our YouTube channel, Trey Holly so productive as a senior, and you know Noah Kane really talked him up you know when meeting with reporters this week as well. So I like what LSU's got um, out of their true freshmen who have enrolled early. I'll add this: Jalen Brown um, has really made some highlight real plays. I'm, I'm told behind the scenes you can see that ability to go up and get the ball. And create a little bit of separation I've been told that he is you know routed up some guys um, that you would kind of be surprised about so he's one to certainly watch um, and then you get into Kyle Parker who Brian Brian Kelly talked up during his press conference and one way he could see himself getting on the field a little bit quicker is by finding a way to contribute in special teams Aaron Anderson is still injured maybe he gets some opportunities if they do some situational stuff um, but physically, he was very developed coming out of high school. He's a slot receiver, so he's not necessarily a, a tall guy by any means, but he's just well put together, very polished in his route running. So I think all those pass catchers are are ones that I'm intrigued with um, going into uh, the spring game, whatever that looks like.
3: Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six-slides, eight-neighborhood, zero-compromise vacation.
0: The ultimate never-done-that-can't-wait-to-do-it vacation. The ultimate chillin'
3: by-a-different-pool-every-day-of-the-week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come
0: seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Like,
3: Billy's getting good at the highlights on our YouTube show. You don't have to just look at us. Now Billy's got the B-roll rolling over... Uh, our faces that was us uh that was like 7 50 in the morning today so they're out there grinding early me too holding the camera those guys <laughs> pushing the sled
2: around yeah do still on the ground all those things uh hey i mean you get you get practice done and out of the way and then we can just chop it up on the bengal tiger message board about the takeaways the video whoever meets with the bd after you know some days you you get that late afternoon practice and then you got to wait until that five o'clock nah, conference days are over rush hour. I mean, you know, you miss some of superior Margarita happy hour, no free ads, but um, you know, it's nice to get it out of the way in the morning.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, Brian Kelly's probably got an afternoon tea time. You got to get all this out. He gave a master's update today. He said he shot us a 83 at Augusta. I mean, see,
2: hearing that it, it, it sent me into a, kind of ticked off mode but also like wow that's pretty sick too like re- like general respect overall at, at the 83 but also like damn brian kelly's played augusta
3: No, did je- billy was jealous when he followed it up by saying and then i had a great night wink wink at butler's cabin so
2: yes yes like i it's master's time i mean you got the valero this weekend uh coming up but i mean this is yeah yeah
3: well, the, it too. I think he started off and was like, what do you want to talk about or something? Someone said, like, the Masters. He's like, oh, I'd love to talk about the Masters. And someone was like, have you ever been? He's like, no. And I was like, well, there goes that conversation. He's like, but I did shoot an 83 one time and then going to have red wine all night at Butler Cabin. It was like, oh, I would have led with that part. Who cares yeah. about watching it?
2: I, I mean, the the next thing he's going to drop is is he's had a cigar out on the patio after. I mean, like yeah, it, right. a dream day. So
3: he, he probably brought his cell phone into, he can do whatever he wants.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, we'll obviously have master's weekend to keep our eye on. But a also, weeks-
3: we got to shout out Maddie B. He's not on the pod today because he's in D town. He's covering the final four.
2: I was going to get there on that front. He is, he is entrenched with Kim Mulkey and the women's basketball team, uh, who made it into town, into Dallas, um, saw Kim Mulkey was rocking the cowboy hat. Uh, earlier uh, as well during her media availability, so uh, I wonder, do we think she rocks some some cowboy boots, cowgirl boots, uh, coaching on the sidelines Friday or, or uh, yeah Friday? No, not gonna go that far.
3: Sparkle jacket, yep. Sparkle boots, maybe.
2: No hat for sure. All I know
3: is that uh, I saw that I sent this to y'all. LSU women's basketball put up uh, billboards in two cities and. In the Lone Star State, and no surprise, obviously, what two cities. I mean, right, uh, the biggest alumni bases for LSU are Houston and Dallas. Oh, no, they're in Dallas and Waco. (laughs) I
2: love. What do the
3: kids say? The kids say no chill. Um,
2: Petty, petty petty, season. That's
3: what adults would say, petty, petty Petty season. But it's a lot like Will Wade. When they're your coach, it makes it a lot more easy to laugh at.
2: Hey, when uh, uh here's another one from the for the kids. Uh there's a lot of people driving around in Waco that are having a really mid commute. Uh Yeah, with, there you know, go. seeing those billboards around campus. Um yeah. yeah. So, so stay tuned to what Maddie B's bringing to uh the Bengal Tigers as well. He's down there for the Final 4. LSU plays Virginia Tech Friday night. Hopefully uh the Tigers can nab a win. Hopefully those ticket prices come down a little bit too. Oh, um, they were
3: pricey. Yeah, pricey. Well, I guess like that's too American Airlines is like 20,000 people. Like, yeah. The Super, I went to the Superdome National, now yeah, National Championship, yeah, for yeah. basketball last year. And after Duke and Villanova got bounced and it was North Carolina, Kansas, we got tickets like the day of on StubHub or whatever, or Ticketmaster for like 12 bucks. But now, granted, that was a 70 something thousand seat stadium arena at the Superdome.
2: Yeah, the AAC is a good time. If anybody in Dallas needs any recommendations, hit me up. Uh, there's Hero right there next to uh, the AAC. Obviously, Katie Trail Ice House is another good spot. Uh, lots of good places right around there. If you're in town uh, for the Final Four, uh, maybe you'll see Maddie B rolling around, or or even myself, and maybe maybe Shay uh, rolls up here last minute. But um, lots of content to come as uh, LSU goes after a national championship with Kim Mulkey. Brian Kelly, one last thing, gave an update on the spring game, April 22nd. Sounds like it's going to be a situational type scrimmage uh, from what he kind of shared with us.
3: Yeah, there was a point where he pretty much was saying, like, we probably won't have a spring game. And now it sounds like they'll have one. And I'm guessing it'll be in Tiger Stadium and fans can go watch. But because they don't have enough of a team right now to field two teams and play each other, he said it would just be a scrimmage with situational stuff, meaning... They'll work on a red zone. They'll work on third and long, you know, whatever it might be. And fans can potentially go watch that. So just a little update spring game. Hope still alive, not a spring game, but not, not one somewhere in the middle.
2: Yep. So we'll keep an eye on that. It'll be a big recruiting weekend. We know that LSU has one coming up this weekend as well. We talked about that on the last edition of the podcast. Be sure to check that one out. We appreciate all you guys who have subscribed to the pod as well as to our YouTube channel and the bengaltiger.com be sure to check it out get yourself a free Bengal Tiger Founders club hat if you subscribe so check those out guys uh, have a great weekend enjoy the final four LSU yes. Tennessee and baseball just it's, How about it's, it's that been, it's a great time of year um and LSU Tennessee baseball obviously uh speaking of uh what, what did we say earlier petty and um oh uh there'll no be
3: chill. Petty and no chill going on Thursday, Friday, Saturday at the box, for sure. These two teams yeah. I don't imagine like each other very much.
2: They do not. So uh, enjoy all of that. Appreciate you guys listening. For Shea Dixon, I'm Billy Emboddy. We'll catch you guys next week on another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. Have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll catch you next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to
0: busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament.
1: in Kansas, one 770 stop in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here, visit gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800 327 5050 for support in Massachusetts, or call one 877 8 hope